Angie's List is now Angie, the nation's largest home service marketplace. And they are here to help homeowners get all their jobs done well. Angie has helped over 150 million homeowners care for their homes. Whatever your home project, big or small, indoor or outdoor, come to Angie to connect with and hire skilled professionals to get the job done well. Have you had a leaky roof? We did, and it was a nightmare. But through Angie, we found an amazing roofer who specialized in flat roofs, and he fixed it right and quickly. Angie can help you find the best price for your project. Angie lets you request and compare quotes from multiple pros in just a few taps or book services at an upfront price based on local data. Angie has cost guides that tell you what others have paid for similar projects, both nationally and in your area. Get started at Angie.com, that's A-N-G-I, or download the app today. The app and website are both free to use. That's Angie.com. Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. This is the Tom Hartman Program. Geeky science alert. India's heat wave. India is going through a massive heat wave right now. They are experiencing what we experienced here in Oregon last summer in, I think it was in June, wasn't it? That we had 116 degree weather for three days in a row. Um, this is mined by over a billion people in India and Pakistan now have uh, been experiencing continuous heat of over 104 degrees. In Delhi, the world's second largest city, it's been uh, two back to, uh, three back-to-back days of 110 degree Fahrenheit heat. And in India, only the richest people have air conditioning, doing serious damage to this country and to their crops. Now, India produces wheat, chapatis, right? And uh, all the, uh, there's a lot of Indian food that has wheat in it. Uh, the wheat crop is starting to fail. So far, the estimate is that between 10 and 15 percent, I'm quoting from a piece by Robinson Meyer in the Atlantic.com, by the way, that between 10 and 15 percent of the Indian wheat crop is off, has gone down in flames. The Ukrainian wheat crop is in crisis because it's hard to you know, plant and harvest wheat when you're having a war going on around you. India has now five straight years of record wheat crops. This year looks like it's going to really blow that up. Farmers are saying that 10 to 15 percent of their crop has died, this according to the United Nations. So terror being inflicted on the world by global warming by basically fossil fuel companies who knew back in the 70s and 80s that their product was going to produce this consequence, but their CEOs at that time thought, you know, we'll be dead by then. Let's just take all the money we can and lie to the people, which is exactly what they did for 40, 50 years. And to a large extent, they're continuing to do so. Speaking of fossil fuels, the wheat crisis is now being exacerbated. It's getting worse because of the fertilizer crisis. Turns out much of the fertilizer used in the world is made from fossil fuels. Seriously, they, they make fertilizer out of particularly natural gas. And fertilizer prices are at a record high right now. They're up 30% since January. And why is that? Well, because of the war in Ukraine and the pandemic. Fertilizer is made with natural gas, and natural gas prices are through the roof in large part because of the war. And in part because of increased demand as a result of you know, the resolution of the pandemic. A couple of other just quick points that I wanted to make. This is a get ready for it that I'm warning you about. Greg Abbott down in Texas, he's seen all his issues. Oh, people aren't all upset about trans kids. You can't do the bathroom thing anymore. People aren't all upset about gay people getting married. That doesn't work anymore. People aren't you know, all upset. They don't want you know everybody to have a gun. You can't talk about that anymore. He's already done that. People actually don't like the fact that we're criminalizing abortion, so we're not going to talk about that. So what do we do? There's an election coming. What do we do here in Texas? So Greg Abbott came out and said that uh, he's, 
he's going to resurrect a 1982 Supreme Court decision, Piler v. Doe. Back in 1982, the governor of Texas tried to say, we don't want our state to pay for educating children whose parents are not citizens. Now, think about this for a minute. The children didn't commit any crime. The children just happened to be here. Many of them are U.S. citizens. They were born here. But the state of Texas said, we don't want to educate them. Their parents aren't citizens, and there's, you know, they're not paying taxes, quack, quack, quack. And this got taken to the Supreme Court, and the Supreme Court said, no, Texas, you have to pay to educate the children of undocumented immigrants. Sorry. Or undocumented uh, refugees, or whatever you, know, whatever you want to call it. And so yesterday on a right-wing talk show, Greg Abbott was saying, well, I think we'll resurrect that case and challenge the issue again. Because that worked out well. White people love to hate on Hispanics, right? And this is Texas. We can make this happen. So just, just wanted to flag that for your attention. Also, uh, last point, uh, back to the abortion point. This is from Amy Vanderpool's Shiro newsletter, like Hero with an S in front, which I highly recommend. She's, she's brilliant. It's over on Substack.com. In fact, I think it's Shiro.substack.com is the website. She notes that one in four women in the United States will have had an abortion by the age of 45. 73% of American voters do not want Roe v. Wade overturned. The Pew Research Center looked at this situation and said, you know, who's what? What, what religion? Well, 25.4% of Americans are evangelical Protestants, 20% are Catholic, 20.8% are Catholic, 14.7% are mainline Protestant, which is interesting. Mainline Protestant has just collapsed. But that 25% evangelical Protestant, that, Amy notes, the evangelical number happens to closely match the percentage of those who would like to overturn Roe. Keep in mind, this was an issue that Jerry Falwell worked out with Ronald Reagan in 1980. Jerry Falwell, the leader at that time of that evangelical Protestant movement. The Guttmacher Institute says that white women made up the majority of women having abortions in 2014, the last year we have numbers for, in terms of race. Religion, religious women made up the majority in terms of faith. White women accounted for 39% of abortion procedures that year, blacks 28%, Hispanics 25%. And of the total number of women having abortions in 2014, 24% were Catholic, 17% identified as mainline Protestant, 13% were evangelicals. I wanted to share with you my rant from today. It's titled, How Wealthy Straight white reactionaries fight progress. And that's the key to it. This is something that just is not discussed at all in our media. And it really should be. I mean, the, the, this whole politics as sports treats Democrats and Republicans as if they're both serious about policy, serious about governance, serious about wanting to move America forward. They just have different strategies to do it. Well, first of all, let's, let's define some terms here. Progressives are people who want the country to progress, to move forward. And most of the debates the progressives have are about how best to accomplish that. What's the best way and that has the fewest side effects? How, the best way to move the country forward. Conservatives, by and large, want to maintain the status quo. They look around and say, hey, things look like they're pretty good. Let's just keep it this way. And most of the debates that conservatives have are about how to maintain the status quo without, again, having negative side effects. Those are reasonable positions. They're historic positions. They go all the way back to the founding of the Republic. But there's nothing conservative, there's nothing conserving the, uh, the country about a lot of what the Republican Party has been doing. You know, like when Ben Sass says he wants to roll back the 17th Amendment, direct election of the senators of, of the Senate. He, he said this in a Wall Street Journal op-ed. That's not conservative. That's not maintaining the status quo. That's reactionary. That is changing the status quo back to how it used to be back before 1913 when the 17th Amendment was passed. Or when Ann Coulter said that we should eliminate the 19th Amendment and take away the right of women to vote. She said that women see the government as their husbands. I mean, when you look at the Democrats getting in there and spending $4 trillion, whether women are given the vote or in whatever state or whatever country, you see spending go through the roof. Right. 
That's not conservative. That's reactionary. I mean, this is, this is very straightforward. What the court is doing right now with this decision is reactionary. This is not conservatism. And we need to be very clear about this. And, and by the way, we need to be very clear about the fact that the Republican Party has not been conservative since the Reagan presidency. It has been purely reactionary. Republicans since Reagan have been deregulating well-functioning markets and producing things like the banking disaster of 2008 or the SNL disaster of 1986. They have been destroying labor unions and the right to unionize, a right that goes back to 1935 and the National Labor Relations Act, the Wagner Act. That's not conservative, that's reactionary. They have been granting trillions in tax breaks and tax subsidies to the very richest among us. Again, that is not conservative, that is reactionary, that is trying to roll back progress. They have been allowing massive monopolies to form in every industry in America. These, again, are not conservative behaviors. These are reactionary behaviors. This is never pointed out on the Sunday shows. It's never discussed in the media. People are shocked that conservatives on the Supreme Court want to end the right to abortion. You shouldn't be shocked. They're not conservatives. They don't want to conserve the status quo. They don't want to keep things the way they are. They want to turn, um, these, these are radical reactionaries. They want to turn America into something that it once was more than 50 years ago, but has not been in the lifetime of most people who are around today. And that's, that's pretty shocking when you think about it. And by the way, that's not the limit of their reactionaryism. For example, if, there, if there's such a word, for example, in the 2000 election, when Jeb Bush threw 90,000 African-Americans off the voting rolls in Florida because they had names similar to that of felons in Texas, and then his brother won the state by, by uh, what, 300, 537 votes. That was not conservative. That was reactionary. I mean, you could argue it was just fundamentally anti-American. Four years later, Ken Blackwell in Ohio did the same thing. He, he pushed 300,000 people off the voting rolls, purged them. And then, you know, John Kerry lost by, by 100,000 votes in Ohio, which turned the whole election. And then when Republicans tried to do the same thing in Ohio in the 2018 election, again, trying to purge tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of mostly African-Americans off the voting rolls and also, you know, white people and Hispanics who lived in largely Democratic areas, the Supreme Court backed them up in that case. They said, fine, go ahead, do this. And so this is now routine in every Republican-controlled state in the union. If you're a Democrat, if you're a registered Democrat, or if you live in neighborhoods or areas that are heavily Democratic voting, particularly minority areas, expect to get your name purged from the voting rolls if you live in one of these Republican states. That's not conservative. That's reactionary. Let's be clear about what's going on and about how, generally speaking, progress in a democracy moves forward, and then the reactionaries come in and pull it back, and then progress moves forward again. They may succeed in tearing down the right to abortion. It's going to be a pyrrhic victory for them because progress will continue. The question is, how many women are going to die in back alley abortions before the next progressive phase begins? What say you? I think that the Republican Party down in Florida, you got don't say gay bills. You've got banning books. They're banning books all over the country. You've got, you know, they're trying to take over school boards. They're trying to take over election uh, boards. More than 80% of American voters disagree with Republican proposals to ban the books with which they disagree. 57% of the Supreme, want the Supreme Court to support abortion rights. This is a new uh, political morning, morning consult poll. 56% believe that abortion should be legal in most or all cases. Um, the Republican assault on, on Disney is unpopular. 62% of voters, 55% of Republicans say they're less likely to vote for a candidate who supports laws that punish companies. Uh, this, uh, again, from one of these polls, 6 in 10 Americans oppose uh, the don't say gay law down in Florida. Republicans even think that they have uh, stumbled into a, a winner by trashing trans kids who want to play in sports. Turns out two-thirds of voters oppose 
the Republicans on these things. So what are they going to do? God only knows. Uh, actually, I, I have some theories about this. We'll talk about that as we go through the program. But I also wanted to flag one other Supreme Court case for you. Uh, this this uh, guy Shirtleff is, uh, you know, a, a right winger. This is Shirtleff v. Massachusetts. I think is the case. This came down on Monday. In Boston, they have been flying the flags of other nations. They do this on request. So, you know, Latvia will say, will you please fly our flag next to yours and the American flag, you know, in the, in the city of Boston and the state of Massachusetts, they got all these flagpoles. And uh, they've been doing it. So this guy comes along and says, hey, I want to fly a Christian flag. And Boston says, no, you can't do that. We're just playing, flying country flags. So the Supreme Court says, hey, if you're flying flags that aren't your own flag, you got to fly whoever asks you to fly it. So you got to fly the Christian flag. So now the satanic temple has come forward and said, cool, you, we want you to fly our flag. It's, uh, it's uh, the American flag, only with black and white stripes and an emblem of a pentagram and a goat skull where the 50 stars should be. The city of Boston is swallowing hard. Uh, the the, the uh, mayor, Michelle Wu, uh, has declined to comment. You know, we'll see where this goes, but I have a feeling this is going to turn out just like it did down in Alabama when Roy Moore was putting all his Ten Commandments things all over the courthouse lawn and the satanic temple came in and said us too us too and they just said okay screw it we're not going to do it listening to the tom hartman program but what it shows more than anything else is how aggressively these right-wing christians are trying to put their their logos and their flags in front of everything delve into the shadows of the mind with sleeping dogs a gripping murder mystery starring academy award winner russell crowe now available on digital Crow portrays an ex-homicide detective, unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. <sighs> The comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car-selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. Gate. But this tells us a lot, I think, about the GOP. Madison Cawthorn, Gropegate, yeah, Madison Cawthorn is, shall we say, in trouble in the GOP. First, he was saying, oh, yeah, these Republicans, they invite me to cocaine-fueled orgies. And now he's got this best friend of his who, just before the election, Madison Cawthorn got married to a woman. Just after the election, they got divorced. This staffer stayed with them through the marriage, apparently, and now there's a video of him groping, putting his hand on Madison Cawthorn's crotch as Madison Cawthorn is saying, you know, the 26-year-old Republican from North Carolina is saying, I would love to see a naked body beneath my hands. It has gone totally viral. Now, you know, if Madison Cawthorn is gay, good on him. I mean, it, this is not about going after Madison Cawthorn. What is astonishing to me is that this is what it takes. Well, actually, not even astonishing. It's sad. This is what it takes for Republicans to turn against their own. They will tolerate pretty much anything except somebody saying, yeah, I'm gay, or being busted for it, essentially, which is what's happened here or might be happening here. I mean, Donald Trump is on his way to Nebraska this weekend to pitch for Charles Herbster, who, who is running for governor of Nebraska who's been accused of sexually assaulting a half a dozen women. You've got John Bennett, the, the Oklahoma Republican chair, saying that he wants Anthony Fauci assassinated by firing squad. There's a nice little summary, the wingnuts of the week over on Democratic Underground. Teddy Daniels, a Republican candidate for lieutenant governor of Pennsylvania, the official candidate, was barred from his own home by court order after he threatened to harm his wife and kids. Republican State Representative Gene Schmidt of Ohio said that rape is a shame, but if a baby is created, then there's an opportunity for that woman, no matter how young. 
So, yeah, you know, rape, fine with the Republicans. Impregnating women, hey, that's a good thing. Calling for the murder of federal health officials, yes, that's us. A number of top GOP candidates attended a Christian conference which featured a video suggesting that 9-11 was a false flag and Hitler faked his own death. Yes, we're all in on that. But Madison Cawthorn might be gay. Oh, my God. It is suddenly taking down the GOP and his chances in North Carolina. Keep an eye on this, but it's just so sad how uptight and just insanely bigoted the Republican Party, for a long time, it's been obvious that the GOP is the home of bigots, racial bigots, gender bigots, whatever. You pick your kind of bigotry, religious bigots. Pick your kind of bigotry. That's their brand. Wanted to share this with you. Mark Esper, who was one of the several people that Donald Trump put in charge of the Pentagon, he fired him right after he lost the election because Esper was not excited about using the military. This is speculation that ex-Esper was not excited about or willing to use the military to overthrow the government. I replaced him with Chris Miller. So now former Defense Secretary Mark Esper has a new memoir coming out on the 10th of this month. It's starting to leak out. And one of the things that just leaked out was Trump was talking to Esper about the George Floyd protests that were happening on his TV set. And he said, can't you just shoot them? Just shoot them in the legs or something? Right. The Pentagon. I mean, the Posse Comitatus Law says that the, the military may not turn its guns on Americans, period. Even if it was technically legal. This is, this is just way over the top. This is just way over the top. So, just a flag for you on that. This is the mentality that Donald Trump and these neo-fascists in the Republican Party and on the hard right now have. Just shoot protesters. I mean, keep in mind, it was Donald Trump who used the military and tear gas to clear Lafayette Square so that he could take his picture holding a Bible. And frankly, I don't think it was so he could have his picture taken. I think it was so he could show his dominance over them. Him and Bill Barr walking out there, strutting out there, yeah, we're and the military helicopter coming down on top of the protesters and all that kind of stuff. This is not America. This is not the America that we hold as an ideal or that the majority of Americans hold as an ideal. But this is the America that the Republican Party is aggressively moving us toward, where at some future point, after we've got President DeSantis and a Republican House and Senate, that if you show up in the streets with a protest sign, it'll be just like it is in Russia right now. You get hustled off to jail or you get shot in the legs. By the way, I am convinced that one of the reasons that these guys went absolutely nuts about the George Floyd protests, particularly Trump, was because A, it was the largest protest in American history, but B, there were more white people than black people in aggregate in all those protests. And this has to have made them insane. You're listening to the Tom Hartman program. By them, of course, I'm referring to the Trump humpers. Lowell in Salem, Oregon. Hey, Lowell, what's on your mind today? Remember we were talking about Representative Kurt Schrader and how he has been blocking the Biden agenda. Yeah. Representative Joe Biden endorsed Kurt Schrader, even though there is a challenger. It's a primary with Jamie McLeod Skinner is challenging him. Right. This begs the question, why is Joe Biden endorsing someone who's blocking his agenda? Why is the DCCC interfering? Right. Well, the cynical answer is the system always takes care of its own regardless. I'm not sure that the cynical answer is the answer. It's very, very rare that a president endorse a challenger to somebody in his own party. That would make news if Biden had come out, uh, if he had refused to endorse, because he was visiting Portland. I mean, Schrader, he represents an area that's just like, it starts about, what, five miles south of Portland? Something like that, yeah. yeah. More, more or less. So, it's, so it's, yeah, it's, it's, so it's yeah. close by. And if he had refused to do that, that would have been shocking. I don't know. I mean, the fact is that here's the thing that, that colors it for me, Lowell. There are four different county Democratic parties 
including one of the counties in Schrader's district, maybe two of them out of those four, who have come out and endorsed Jamie McLeod Skinner, his exactly. primary opponent. And so you've got your local Democratic parties endorsing the progressive who's running, but not the president. There's a couple of other variables here. Schrader has raised, according to the Oregonian, about $3 million, a little over $2 million now so far for his run. And, and McLeod Skinner has raised less than a million. So, you know, odds are that Schrader's going to be the new can't, you know, he's going to get reelected. Although we'll see. We'll see. There's a real groundswell. That's data point number one. Data point number two is that Schrader is sending out expensive, slick, glossy, four-color flyers all across his district talking about how he's a progressive and how he wants Medicare to be able to negotiate drug prices, which is exactly what he voted against. So I'm hopeful that he's not just lying through his teeth, that he's actually had a come-to-Jesus moment, that he's going to be... There are a lot of Democrats right now, many of them in the Congressional Progressive Caucus, who didn't start out as progressives. Even during the, the Obama years, the Democratic Party trash-talked progressives more than they supported them. So, you know, there's been a huge shift in the Democratic Party, and so I'm, I'm hopeful that that's what's going on. But I, I don't know if any of these are the answer, Lowell, but, you know, I don't have an easy one. The reason why the, there was a question on that endorsement of Chantel Brown over Nina Turner is because Chantel Brown is in the Progressive Caucus, but she's also in the ultra-conservative New Dem caucus right that's it's so, covering all your bases right which is a real problem as well yeah i know but uh, the progressive caucus i'm pretty sure that uh, it was mark pocan who explained this on the air last week that they have specific criteria for endorsements you have to vote a certain way a certain percentage of the time you have to show up for a certain number of meetings you have to, i mean there's all these boxes that you've got to check and and she had checked all those boxes norma in montgomery alabama hey norma what's up <laughs> Here in Alabama, we have our primary on May the 24th. Mm -hmm. Our governor is campaigning on the fact that she has passed the strictest anti-abortion law in the country and that we will never, ever kill babies here in Alabama. How do you think that's going to work out for her? I don't know because she's up against a guy nobody else wants. And then, you know, we have our Senate race and... Um, Mel Brooks' ad just went on during the news break, and uh, it's just, uh, it's insanity here, Mm -hmm. and um, you can't, uh, you can't even see, we haven't even seen an ad yet from a Democratic candidate on anything, and um, I was out yesterday, and um, I was talking to women, and one of them said, well, we've been told that we're going to have to have a writer from our insurance company to cover prenatal care, delivery, or surgery for any girl between the age of 10 and 18. Wow. Because presumably in that age spectrum, if a, if a girl gets pregnant, she's going to have an abortion, and that's not going to be the case any longer. Is that why? Yes. And now if she, let's say a 12-year-old whose pelvic girdle, the pelvic bones from the hips people are not developed enough to carry a baby or developed enough for a normal delivery. She is now facing a cesarean. The average cost is $50,000, depending on which city you live in, and that does not cover the care of the baby, particularly if it's a preemie, because she went into labor early. And, oh, well, you, you should stop this premature labor. You need to save this baby and let it grow to full term. And so you kill both of them. And this isn't, you cannot teach these people that. Remember the representative said that if you want to know how pregnant a woman is, that she should marry, she she should swallow one of those cameras that checks for intestinal cancer and then would know how far along her pregnancy was. was He did not even understand anatomy. This is how ignorant these people are. And if you're a Christian, you should have consideration for others. You should have compassion for others. And you should have charity in your heart, not in your wallet so much as in what you share of yourself and how much you teach. That is a Christian. I agree. And and speaking of, you know, 10-year-old girls getting pregnant, we're, we're seeing now the age that girls start menstruating has dropped by two full years in the last two decades, presumably because of these plastics that we're all ingesting. 
A nine-year-old has now started her period here. Yeah, yeah, and that's not a, that's not unusual it's any longer. It's a growth hormone in the food. It could, it may well be. Nobody knows for sure, but that that could be it too. Norma, You're thank listening you. Listening to Tom Hartman. Visit TomHartman.com for audio and video archives. Quick math. The less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep. With higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR, all into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required. It's accessible from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. You improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. So do the math. See how you'll profit with NetSuite. By popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to netsuite.com Hartman with two N's. netsuite.com Hartman. That's netsuite.com Hartman. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Bill in Minneapolis. Hey, Bill, what's on your mind today? If the Democrats in Congress awarded Mike Pence the Presidential Medal of Freedom. Wow. Wouldn't he he first have to acknowledge that they tried to kill him? (laughs) Well, it'd be hard to deny. I mean, he stood up, made himself public enemy number one for all the Republicans, all the people storming that building. If there was one guy they wanted, it was him. He was a target of President Trump. He's put a, I mean, for the rest of his life, he's going to have a target on his back by MAGA supporters. There's no doubt yeah. what he did defended our country. And if it wasn't for him, who knows what would have happened. But the brilliant thing about it is that it'd be hard for Republicans not to vote for that. And then at the same time, by doing that, it's sort of acknowledging that it was an extremely dangerous event that they're trying to play down. That would be, it would be a great example of basically forcing a vote, of, of forcing people to take a position. That's a similar idea to breaking out really popular things from legislation that couldn't get passed. Breaking out, for example, negotiating drugs, Medicare negotiating drug prices, and just running that as a standalone bill and saying, you know, uh, which side are you on here? Yeah, I think your point has some merit, Bill. I, I'm ambivalent about giving awards to Republicans at all right now, including Mike Pence, but maybe, I don't know, it's an interesting idea. Bill, thank you for the call. Paul in Benton, Pennsylvania. Hey, Paul, what's on your mind today? I just got back from Home Depot, and uh, there was only one other person in the whole store with a mask on. Yeah, like I had experience. to go to Lowe's, and I saw two people in that store uh, with a mask on. So they just basically, you know, given up on the COVID thing. Yeah. 30% of these people, you know, uh, in our society are racist. But, you know, you add in the xenophobes, and you add in the misogynists and everything, and we got 50% of this country is basically, you know, off the rails. And I think a lot of them suffer from this paraphrenic disorder, you know, these organized, systematic, methodical delusions. They have a warped sense of history, they have, you know, basically no sense of history. And you try and explain something to them, and they'll just tell you that you're wrong. This is real, and it's running, as you say, rampant in rural areas, and this is a real problem. And I, you know, it's 73% of Americans are white, and I think it's 50% of the white population is into this stuff. Chuck in Arizona, uh, Tucson, Arizona, in fact. Hey, Chuck, what's on your mind today? Hey. I want to speak of personal experience that I had. My partner in 1986 had an atopic pregnancy. And had she not had the procedure, which is an abortion, she would have died. She since has passed, but, you know, she's 25 years later. And it seems to me that 
what has literally been created by the Alioto decision, which is literally his decision, is, is, is an actual constitutional crisis because doctors must swear the Hippocratic Oath and through state licensing. And now, if they know a woman comes in and, and needs, a, a, because she has an atopic pregnancy, and in order to save her life, she needs an abortion, what is that doctor supposed to do? Well, we had a woman who called the program yesterday and said just a few years ago she had a pregnancy where the baby died in the womb and had to be removed. Um, this was, you know, multiple months into it. And she was starting to hemorrhage. I mean, this will kill you. It can kill a woman. She went to her local hospital. It was a Catholic hospital, and they refused to do the procedure. And so she had to get her husband to, to transport her or, a hos or a, uh, an emergency. Maybe she call and tell the story again. But anyhow, she got transported to another hospital where they removed this dead tissue from her and saved her life. But she was bleeding all over the place. I mean, she was she was on the verge of dying. So, I, you know, I don't think that religion should be involved in any of these medical decisions, Chuck. And right. Well, that's, that's exactly what I'm saying. You, you have to be licensed through the state as a doctor. And part of that is to do no harm. And if you know that a procedure, a simple procedure that's been done a million times, that's, you know, it's safe, will save this woman's life, yet you can't do it. Aren't, haven't you just violated your Hippocratic oath? It would certainly seem that way to me. It absolutely certainly seems that way to me. Is Putin at peak desperation? This is a, a fascinating op-ed over at uh, Daily Beast uh, asking that question, or asserting actually U.S. officials warn of new nightmare as Putin hits peak desperation is the headline. And we, this is day 70 of Putin's war against Ukraine. He still is calling it a special military operation. But uh, the 9th, which is what, next Tuesday, I think? Monday? Next Monday. Thank you, Sean. Next, next Monday is uh, the, the big celebration in Russia. They've got their military out there rehearsing, and it's the, it's the anniversary of the, their victory in World War II. You know, we, don't, we don't so much celebrate V-Day, V-J-Day, V-E-D, V-E-Day, but for the Russians, it was a little more personal. They lost tens of millions of people in World War II. And, uh, and, you know, it's been a big celebration ever since. And so Putin is continuing that tradition, a big military parade. You know, it's stuff that Donald Trump loves. We want military, you know, tanks on Pennsylvania Avenue. Uh, well, Putin's going to do that. And the question is, or the, the fear, the concern, is that he's going to use that May 9th date, particularly given the reports that he's going in for cancer surgery the day after. And these are unconfirmed right now, but... You know, there's a lot of whispering about this. Um, but there are concerns that he's going to use that, that May 9th date to announce some huge new offensive in Ukraine. Whether it's, you know, using a tactical nuke to take out Kiev or whether it's, well, who knows? Who knows? As one of the senior officials, senior U.S. officials from, you know, the military, our military, who was quoted in this story anonymously, he said he needs a victory to survive. One senior administration official told the Daily Beast, quote, a repeat of the Soviet laws to Afghanistan is literally an existential threat to a regime that is built on the idea that a strongman leader can revive the glory of the Russian empire. There's also a concern that have about 500 Ukrainian soldiers, prisoners of war that apparently have been brought to Moscow that they think they are going to be paraded to show how tough the Russian military is. And Putin is also reportedly considering holding sham trials of these Ukrainian soldiers in Moscow, imitating the Nuremberg trials. Because, of course, people are accusing him of being a war criminal, so he's going to try to accuse them of being war criminals. So, you know, I, I, there's nothing we can do about this. But I like to let you know about things before they happen when I can see them coming. I'm not always right. But I think that this is going to be, uh, this next week is going to be a critical time with regard to war and peace in the world. Keep your eyes open and, and uh, stay alert. Putin is having to basically drag in people from remote parts of Russia. In many cases, people 
who are uh, racial minorities who have historically been discriminated against, particularly Asiatic minorities. And, uh, uh, and what's going on is that they're going into these places in Ukraine. When they, when they take a town, they start looting it. And they're looting the homes. They're trying to take the appliances back home. They're, they're stealing stuff left and right. And in the course of doing this, they're starting to fight about it. Russian troops from Buryatia, deployed near Kherson, have become increasingly resentful of the Kadriite Chechens. So this is two different ethnic groups who are both part of the military. Their task is to ensure that the units of Russian-occupied forces uh, maintain active military action. In other words, that is to open fire on Russian troops who are trying to retreat. Things came to a head when the Chechens decided to keep all the loot to themselves. The Buryats decided to do a forcible redistribution and a 50-person-on-each-side firefight ensued. An army that leaves behind its wounded but never leaves behind its loot is not a unified fighting force. Also, reports of mutinies are multiplying. Russian Colonel Yuri Mendevev was, uh, Medvedev was run over by a tank and killed at the hands of his own brigade. Sixty Russian troop paratroopers sent to Belarus to deploy to Ukraine staged a mutiny and refused to be deployed. And now there are reports that Putin's going in for cancer surgery right after their May 9th, uh, you know, their 4th of July celebration, which is on May 9th, uh, right after that. Uh, this, this is going to get interesting. And I think that the period between now and May 9th, which is just, you know, basically a little more than a week away, is probably one of the most important and critical and dangerous times in this war. So, you know, keep an eye on that and what's going on. Chris in Austin, Texas. Hey, Chris, thanks for listening to the Tom Hartman app. What's up? Hey, Tom. Uh, I know the main topic has been uh, the GOP's assault on abortion rights and women's rights. Uh, and we tend to get kind of tunnel vision on issues and focus on a single issue. But since you mentioned him in passing, I wanted to talk about uh, uh, Putin's playing Hitler in Eastern Europe and also the last few days I've been reading strong rumors that Putin is seriously ill. He yeah, may have, have some to. form some form of cancer and even may be displaying symptoms of uh, Parkinson's. Yep. And his doctors are telling him he has to have surgery. And that will involve him being incapacitated for a number of days. And it's believed that he will temporarily turn over the reins of government to uh, Nikolai Petrusev, who's supposedly even more of a hard Yeah, he's director of intelligence. Right, right, right. And he's, he's also the one master. who's been throwing uh, the generals and the FSB agents into jail and uh i know you said and and it's very worrisome to me that you said a few days ago you thought there was maybe a one in ten chance that putin might resort to tactical nukes on the battlefield in ukraine and i just wonder if if he becomes and the second rumor is that there may be a coup being planned by these Russian generals, current and former, and by uh, FSB agents, mm -hmm. current and former. And if he gets incapacitated, if Petrusev is holding the reins of government, do you think that might change that one in ten chance of escalation even up to... It's a damn good question, Chris. Uh, my guess is that if Putin goes into surgery, and I've been reading probably the same articles you are, um, speculating mm -hmm. that it's either abdominal or, or thyroid cancer, and that he's been mm -hmm. uh, doing chemotherapy for the last few months, and that's why he's bloated, because when you do chemo, you typically take steroids uh, along with the right. chemo. Um, and... Uh, I, I, my guess is if he's going to go into surgery, he's going to make sure that somebody who is absolutely loyal to him uh, has their hands on the reins of power. 
Uh, right. You know, because he doesn't, he, he wants to wake up from the surgery, first off, so he's going to make sure that every single doctor and nurse in that room is, in that operating theater, is terrified for their lives. Right. And, right. and I wonder to what extent he has been pro procrastinating, putting off his surgery. The other thing that concerns me on this, Chris, is the uh, reports of Parkinson's. I have a friend who, who had Parkinson's. She was experiencing hallucinations. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's one of the, it doesn't happen all the time. It happens at about, I guess, about a third to a half of cases where people actually mm -hmm. are hearing things and seeing things that do not exist. I mean, serious hallucinations, not the LSD kind of hallucinations where the, the walls get a little wavy or something, but actual, you know, monsters talking to them and stuff. If he's got Parkinson's, he should not be running a country or he should be under serious medical care. Maybe he is. Maybe that's what the steroids are all about. I just don't know. But I do think that this is a time of maximum danger this next week or two. Marilyn in Sun City, West Arizona. Hey, Marilyn, what's on your mind today? So can you just quickly explain, Tom, I, I'm not in favor of war and I agree with everything. What I don't understand is we have crazily built up for years all this armament, we give money to the Pentagon or defense or whatever, billions and trillions of dollars. We've got the biggest war armaments in the world. What is it there for, if not in place, for defending something like Ukraine? Why did we build up something that can blast everybody off the face of the earth and then just sit by and watch Ukraine? I just don't understand. I agree with your sentiments, Marilyn. I completely agree with your sentiment, um, and 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 sadly, I mean, I, I was watching uh, uh, Rachel Maddow's program last night, and she was talking about the times, you know, how how people get lied into things, particularly into wars, and I kept saying, and I kept yelling at the TV, George W. Bush and Dick Cheney did that, you know, it's we are not entirely yeah. blameless, uh, you know, in 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 this uh, you know large uni larger universe of of. Um, uh, Geez, I guess war crimes, um, and and we need to acknowledge that you know that, that we have been as gullible as Russians, we Americans. But you know that said, yeah, I I, I think that our defense of democracies, the the important thing, I think one of the most important principles here, is that by defending Ukraine and ultimately apparently Moldova and Poland and Lithuania, Latvia and Estonia, we're not just defending those countries. We are defending democracies at a time that democracy in the world is under attack all over the world. And you've got Putin using disinformation to, I mean, literally to encourage Americans not to vote, uh, to, to, to cause strife. I mean, it's just, it's just right. crazy. Um, so, thank you, Tom. Yeah, thank you, Marilyn. I am with you. We've got this giant military. Why? Well, to defend the weak. I mean, shouldn't that be... Shouldn't that be our goal rather than, you know, going after Saddam Hussein? Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Andrea in Tucson, Arizona. Hey, Andrea, what's on your mind today? Hey, Tom, I'm really, uh, I guess, peeved like many people are, but my uh, one thing, it seems like that um, Alito is an awfully arrogant person to think that after this law and and having been supported by even other laws besides Roe v. Wade is so intelligent and his group is so with it that they he thinks he's smarter than all the judges that have since gone along with this. It's probably more that he's in a court where he knows he can get by doing this rather than having the courage to bring it up even before when he thought he might get voted out or gone against or whatever. Well, and let's and not forget thing, that Alito is the guy who, when Barack Obama called out Citizens United in 2010, yes. Alito was the guy who mouthed at him, mouthed. no, you know, you're wrong, or words to that effect. Yeah, I mean, speaking of arrogant. True. You could read his lips. Yeah, speaking yeah. of arrogant, yeah. It, 
Yes. And then the other thing, uh, Tom, that I'm hearing when they're talking about uh, incest and rape, it should be they should be saying statutory rape because we are not differentiating. We're including girls who are minors as if they are women. And the term gets thrown out there like women. We're actually taking childhood away from girls if they're forced into this. Right. That is the most ridiculous part of this, that they he can't even see beyond the fact he's taking childhood away. Yeah. And next, they won't let them go to school because it'll be dangerous or they don't want people to see them back to how it used to be. Well, and back. we can kiss the military and any other uh, profession that women have fought to get into because it'll be too dangerous. Jobs will be too dangerous. We're going to start seeing women committing suicide because they can't deal with a pregnancy. We're going to start seeing yeah. uh, women dying from back alley abortions. I mean, it's and and, and that's the kind of the bad news side of it. The good, good news side of it, essentially, is that now there are some very effective drugs that will induce an abortion in the first, uh, I don't recall how many weeks, I think 10, 12 weeks, which mm -hmm. is, a, you know, generally for right. most women is going to be enough. And they are now setting up these telehealth, these telemedicine programs. And many states have changed their laws to allow telemedicine because of the COVID epidemic or pandemic. Right. And so now, you know, you can contact one of these organizations on the Internet, talk to them on a Zoom call. Uh, the, the pills show up, Federal Express the next day, and boom, you've got your abortion at home. And the only thing that could stop that is states outlawing that. Oklahoma just tried to do that, to, to you know, even outlawing possession of these pills. But then they're going to have to start stopping them in the U.S. mails. And it's going to get really, you know, handmaiden-ish, um, you know, big government if they, if they do that. Right. Andy, i got to move along, but thank you for the call. Pam in Chicago. Hey, Pam, what's on your mind today? Hi, Tom. Uh, first, let me thank you, Tom, for talking about the police uh, assassinations, uh, in particular with Patrick uh, Loyola. Um, They're showing us, Tom, that they will escalate this oh, to yeah. just, you know, blatantly shoot someone in the back of the head. Yep. Uh, you know, the law enforcement is showing us uh, that they really don't care about the past year uh, and two in protest. And we have to uh, stay vigilant with that. So thank you for that. Uh, Tom, my call is, as I said, uh, this is a victory. And I wish that the uh, Democratic elected officials and the news organizations would report it. This is a victory for the date rapist, the statutory rapist, as your previous caller said, the uh, sexual predators, and for the uh, perpetrators of incest. That is the way I see this. Um, what decent human being, Tom, wants to force a woman to have a baby by a rapist? Rape is a violent act. I mean, what decent human being? And we're going to have to start seeing the Republican Party for what it is. You ask the question, are they for fascist? I don't know, Tom, but here's what I do know. We need to operate as if they are. So let's go on and operate if, as if they're, they're full fascist, uh, you know, race baiting, all of it, Tom. And then I have a question for you. Okay. And one, one more address, Tom. I see women also, if they're forced to have the babies of the rapists, not only committing suicide, I see them committing homicide. Oh, my. Because you're going to put something of pressure on me that I'm not going to bear to have to live with my rapist or have my rapist family go into court and request and fight me for custody. All right. All right. I mean, do you see how draconian these and just hateful? These are hateful laws. Yep. So, Tom, I'm going to ask you, um, are there any trigger laws that the Democratic elected officials have put into place? I want Biden to do all that he he is able to do legislatively, as well as Schumer, as well as uh, Nancy Pelosi. Whatever needs to be done, and I'm calling news organizations, I've contacted my elected officials. This, this is just a hateful 
piece of legislation. But do you know of any trigger law? Because now we're hearing about trigger law. Yeah, the closest that I know of, I mean, the trigger laws were laws that would go into effect if something happens. And, and the closest that I know of, Pam, on our side that have happened like that is uh, several states, and I frankly don't know how many, uh, Connecticut and California, I'm pretty sure two of them, have actually put into their constitution the right to have an abortion. And other states are considering that right now. This is sweeping state legislatures across the country. And I think, you know, probably by the election, maybe by next year, you're going to see red states and blue states having very, very different forms of law. Juanita in Prosser, Washington. Hey, Juanita, what's on your mind today? Just so that you can help me square a circle. Mm -hmm. Let me preface it by saying I am a, I vote. I uh, do all the groundwork and having the conversations at the risk of all sorts of things, uh, no matter how it may make me look, be perceived. Um, so here's my thing about the Supreme Court situation. All of these justices who would overturn Roe were appointed by presidents that lost the popular vote. Correct. So what is my voting harder going to do? If that's the situation, if I know that I'm going to go vote and it's going to be in vain, well, then how I'm going to feel very silly. I'm being told just go, you know. Well, you understand that that when you're voting for president, you're not voting for the president. You're voting for an electoral college representative Mm -hmm. of, you know, for you, who's going to cast the electoral vote. And 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 frankly, you know, in 2000, had uh, Jeb Bush not pushed 90,000 African-Americans off the voting rolls in Florida, you would, you, we would have had President Al Gore. In 2004, if Ken Blackwell had not removed 300,000 African-Americans from the voting rolls in Ohio, we would have had President John Kerry. Um, this, they're still playing these games. The problem is that we don't have law to stop them from doing this. And so what we have to do, it's very simple, Alex, is we have to show up in larger numbers than we have. I mean, if they're basically stealing a couple of points off elections by rigging the game, which is what they're doing, then we've got to show up in a, in, in, in a proportion that's larger than those just couple of points. So, you know, I, I hope I've answered your question. I, I took it in the, in the uh, you know, positive spirit that, that you portrayed it. And, and uh, Alex, thanks for the call. Dan in Baldwin, Michigan. Hey, Dan, what's on your mind? Well, with all this Roe versus Wade, why don't they take all these erection commercials off of TV, you know? And she'll like it, too. I mean, uh, it's definitely uh, a man's world. I haven't seen a, a Viagra or Cialis ad in years, but, uh, but I could see them coming back with a, with a disclaimer that says, may cause pregnancy and subject you to the power of the state. Or no, it would subject your woman to the power of the state. You know, your sexual partner to the power of the state. Uh, All these additives and everything they want you to take, it's, uh, I don't know what it is. And none of them work. That's the problem. Oh, you're talking about all the the enhancers that they advertise on the internet and and stuff like that. Well, yeah, you know, and then uh, you got that baseball player that goes, oh, and she'll like it too. Oh, yeah. What does that mean? Yes, it boosts your testosterone, uh, man. (laughs) <laughs> it's, it's, I don't know. It's just insane. We should uh, we should require them to have a uh, a disclaimer that says you know may may cause your partner to have problems with the state. You know the the police may show up if if there's evidence of a pregnancy. Yeah. It's crazy. Well, yeah, something's got to be done about all of it. That's well, the, I, the larger issue that you raised, Dan. I mean, we're we're talking about this in jest, but there's a larger and very real issue here, and that is that pregnancies don't happen, with maybe one exception in history. Pregnancies don't happen without a man being involved, and these laws that are being passed in these Republican states take no consideration of the man into the into the equation at all. There has to be some kind of responsibility. If you're going to force a woman to ha- to have a, carry a child to term. You should force the father of that child to participate in the process. Charles in Miami. Hey, Charles, what's on your mind today? Remember the Putin thing. Well, what if America did something to escalate the war, which could put pressure on him right before he put enough pressure on him that he would be scared to go into surgery? I mean, you know, mm-hmm. um, you know, put more pressure on him that way. Well, I and think also, probably the, the U.S. weapons are arriving right about now, you know. Okay. 
And I think also one thing that we need to worry about, though, that we haven't considered, I don't know if you've considered it, but what if Russia was to involve North Korea? Because um, I think that the Russians and the Chinese have supplied North Korea with all the intelligence and, um, and, and ammunition to build these um, weapons of mass destruction. And what if we were to also sneak something into Ukraine that would threaten um, Russia right at the door like the Cuban Missile Crisis? But um, let me get off of that. Right now, but it, the reality, thought, Charles, is that we are escalating. I mean, when, when Lloyd Austin said we're going to weaken Russia, that was a massive escalation. And now the Biden administration is saying, you know, there are news reports that we helped kill generals. Those are not true. They're trying to, to, to dampen the, the rhetoric that might enrage Putin. But they are explicitly saying we are coordinating with the with the Ukrainians in this war effort. I do want to get off that subject, if you don't mind. The reason why I called in is because I think one of the reasons why this was this information was leaked from the Supreme Court about Roe vs. Wade is because they may be trying to distract, or they had a plan to distract Americans when the January 6th committee starts its live hearing. I doubt and, it. I doubt it. I think it's more likely that this was that Alito himself was the leaker or somebody close to him because they've got a couple of wavering votes and he's trying to cement them in. Um, but I, I, you know, I get your point, Charles, and, and uh, you may be right, but I, I don't think this is a distraction. I think this is a this is an effort to nail down votes. You're listening to the Tom Hartman program. Call 202-808-9925. I'd bet pretty much anything, well, not, you know, whatever, but uh, that you were going to find that it was a right-winger who leaked this. Bill in Clifton, New Jersey. Hey, Bill, what's on your mind today? I haven't heard too much of the Jewish side on it, but if you have a chance to look at the forward May 3rd, it tells you the Jewish law on it, and... uh, it's not considered to be human. The, uh, the first 40 days after um, conception, it's considered to be water. Right. And then um, if there's a threat to a woman's life, the safety of the mother takes precedence over continuing pregnancy at any stage. This is according to the Talmud. Yep. And in certain circumstances, the fetus that endangers the life of a mother is legally considered to be a murderer in actor, active pursuit. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm familiar with all that, Bill. I didn't want to, and in the article today, I, I didn't name any single religion because I, I just didn't want to get into the religious wars. But but you're you're absolutely right, and, and uh, you know, spot on. Malcolm in Bluebell, Pennsylvania. Hey, Malcolm, what's on your mind today? Yes, Tom, real quick. In terms of uh, voting rights laws, we almost have to restructure the term of getting out and vote because right now, with the assistance of the Supreme Court, so many states are, are essentially having victories stripping away voting rights laws. And it's unfortunate that politicians can come together and vote for daylight savings, but they can't do anything meaning, meaningful in terms of preserving or yet still enacting the John Lewis voting rights law. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And, and uh, you know, and, and they're, in 2018, Ohio... Well, back in 2004, Ken Blackwell, uh, you know, the, uh, running Ohio's election systems, stripped 300,000, mostly African-Americans, off the voting rolls of Ohio. Uh, John Kerry that year lost the election to George W. Bush by 100,000 votes. I think it was 120,000 votes, roughly. And, uh, you know, so that was the margin of error. So in 2018, right. Ohio tried to do the same thing. Mike DeWine tried to do the same thing. And he got sued. Democrats came in and said, you can't just go in to these largely black uh, or, or you know, largely democratic areas of big cities and, and, and college towns. You can't just go in and mail them postcards knowing that they're going to think it's spam mail and not return it. And thus, you can use that as an excuse to remove them from the voting rolls, which is how they were doing it. It's a process called caging that Karl Rove developed back in the 80s. And so they took it to the Supreme Court. And the Supreme Court said, uh, in a five to four decision, this was just the Republicans on the court, said, no, it's right. fine. If states want to do that, if they want to cage voters, if they want to selectively you know, pick who they're going to mail to and how they're going to remove them. And they are doing that like there's no tomorrow right now as we speak exactly. in red states all across the United States. And that's why I said at the end of my rant at the beginning of this hour was, you know, double check your voter registration if you live in a state with a Republican governor or Republican secretary of state. Because 
there's a very good chance, particularly if you live in a big city, particularly if you're registered as a Democrat, or particularly if you're black or Hispanic, that you have been removed from the voting rolls. And you need to check every single month because these purges are ongoing. This is a rolling process. And they get it that this election in 2022 is going to define the, the, the probability of who's going to win in 2024 is certainly going to define who gets to control the election systems in this country and whether we do pass legislation that protects voting rights. Because if they take either the House or the Senate, voting rights legislation is dead. And, right. uh, you know, uh, filibusters notwithstanding. So, yeah, we've got to pay very, very careful attention to this, uh, uh, Malcolm. Go ahead. I have one last point to make. You mentioned earlier Trump making a comeback. And from my perspective, you have to actually go away to make a comeback. And <laughs> he's go. never left. Yeah. And for, for all intents and purposes, it's almost like he's running a shadow government by having politicians show up at Mar-a-Lago. And never mind the fact that they just removed 18 Wheeler loads of classified documents from Mar-a-Lago. And there's yet to be any accountability for it. So, Agreed. He's still very much here. And I'm a truck driver, and where there isn't a Trump flag, it's a DeSantos 2024 flag flying high right now as we speak. Right. And if DeSantos doesn't challenge Trump, if DeSantos continues to be Trump-friendly, then I think that DeSantos will probably be the 2024 nominee for the Republican Party. Right. On the other hand, if he does challenge Trump, then Trump will try to take him down, and it could get very interesting and very ugly. But I think you're right, Malcolm, and uh, I, I see it coming. I think we all see it coming. Malcolm, thank you for the call. It's great to hear from Always nice to hear from you. You've been listening to Tom Hartman. For audio and video archives, visit TomHartman.com.